What's up, brother? What's good? What's good? Man, I got my mans on deck right now. And we talking about the serious business right now, man. We talking about what's going on with the Iran shit. And also, just to let my followers know, we're talking to somebody that has actually been on the soil. We're not talking about, you know, some, you know, this, this is not one of those deals where a guy is just giving intel. My man, introduce yourself, please. What's going on? Uh, my name is JR. Spent 13 years in Marine Corps. I spent five years deployed. On and off, uh, welcome, man. Appreciate the love, respect, man. I appreciate you taking your time, bro. How do you feel about this shit going on right now with every, with with the seven hundred and fifty people being deployed right now? I mean. Yeah, yeah. I said, how do you feel about the 750 people being deployed right now? You know, honestly, bro, I'm going to tell you this. The best thing that the United States could have done was kill that dude. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I don't care what the status quo is or how the, the masses feel about it. But me, honestly, we had to kill that dude. And the world better off with that dude dead. Yeah, I and to be honest, I agree with you, man. I think we had to get dude up through. Now, the the next thing is with with him being up through. What's happening next, though? Well. I, I mean, I don't know exactly what they're gonna do. I mean, I'm gonna tell I mean, you if what. You, if, if you had, if you had to guess, okay. Well, what they're what in my experience, what they're doing is they just basically putting people in place just in case this nigga decide to do something stupid. So you know, what people don't understand is that dude struck first and. The United States killing him was retaliation. So right, they then right. came back and said, you know what? We going to do some more shit. We going to bomb a whole bunch of other stuff in the United States. So, you know, we taking that threat pretty, pretty serious. That's the reason why all the, all the troops are getting deployed, because, you know, we don't have nobody over there. Well, I mean, we do, but we got like a skeleton crew. So. You know, we getting ready. We getting people in place just in case he decided to do something crazy. We gonna have people close. You know what I'm saying? Cause see, what 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 I seen was they said they sent people to, uh, I forget what the fort was called, but they said they got attacked yesterday with like four, you know what I'm saying, something where they, they thought they took over a portion of, of the shit, 
Did you hear anything about that? Um, are you you talk about an embassy or yeah, yeah, absolutely. They said okay. they they said they sent something to the embassy, and you know it it it, it didn't work out. But the whole point was they sent somebody there. Okay, well. You know, for people that don't understand what's the purpose of an embassy, the embassy is that we have here in the United States, but kind of that's where they are overseas. So the embassy is where American citizens that's in a certain country can go and talk to the government officials of the United States. The reason right. why, you know, they try to you know, let's say overrun or take over embassies is because, you know, some embassies have politicians there. There is some form of leadership within the United States at every embassy. And, you know, if you want to attack the United States, you ain't going to attack the military. You ain't going to attack the niggas with guns. You're going to attack the white collar, the niggas that, with the right. suits. You right, know? right. And embassies are guarded, but once again, it's with a skeleton crew. So I don't know if they attacked something yesterday because right now they're supposed to be in three days of morning. That three days of morning is up tonight. Um, so, so hold on, wait, wait, wait. Can you can you give some information about what a skeleton crew is? Because I know a lot of people won't understand what you're saying. So skeleton cruises, you know, you got just enough military to run day-to-day operations. The military that's there is not to protect an embassy and in the time of an attack. So, right, right, you know, right. they might be able to help, I mean, to knock off probably five to ten people, but they're not going to be able to defend against, you know, 200 people that just stormed the door. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. But at the same time, we really probably, you know, wouldn't expect 200 people to to rush the dough on a, on a, on a regular type of situation. Or is that something that might happen all the time? Or is this just something that's going on with right now? Nah, nah, that's just something that's going on right now. And once again, like I said, embassies, we got embassies in every country in the whole wide world. And, you know, you know, if you get 200 people, you can take a police station. You know what I'm saying? Even though it's a police station, you can take it if you get enough niggas. And that's kind of how the embassies are set up. They ain't there where they getting attacked all the time because most of the people, what they what you go into embassy for is like if you lose your passport or you lose your driving license while you in Jamaica or Mexico or something like that, and you need to get back, right. you know, into the United okay. States, that's where you go. You go to the embassy so that way you can get a driver's license or take some pictures or whatever so you can prove that you're an American citizen and, you know, you get the benefits of being American. Right, right. Okay, okay. So let me just add, you know what I'm saying, just, just to back up a little bit because, you know, we, we, we kind of jump into the conversation. What 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 all did you do as far as being a, a, a military official or you know what I'm saying? What all did you do 
you know, what's your what what what's your you know, I don't know how to say it, but okay. what did I did you do? So when I first joined, see I was I was a stupid, a stupid person going into the military. I didn't know what it was. The military, you know, they kind of say, like, you know what, we're gonna take care of you, we're gonna promise you this, we're gonna promise you that. So I basically just signed on the dotted line. You know, uh growing up in Cincinnati was kind of rough. So, you know, the military offered me uh, you know, a way out. You know, hey, you can travel and see the world. Uh, I had got into some trouble in Cincinnati. So, you know, I was just looking for any way to get out of Cincinnati. And uh, But right. what I didn't know is, you know, when I signed up, I signed up for some some bullshit. So to answer your question is, uh, when I first got overseas, uh, I was a mechanic. So, so hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Overseas. So... From the time that you signed up, what was it like? It was like, you know, I know a lot of people talk about where they go to, uh, what is it? Uh, like basic where, training or something like that. Yeah, basic training yeah. or something, something to that nature or reserves. Right. So what, what did you initially sign up for? Uh, I signed up to be a mechanic. And it was simple. Basically, you sign up, uh, you go through your basic training, and at the basic training, they basically send you to school for whatever you sign up for. If you if you sign up to be a cop or a military police, uh, they send you to you know military police school. Or if you sign up to be a mechanic, they they send you to mechanic school, or you know even cooks. You know what I'm saying? The military got niggas that all they do is cook food. Uh, right, 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 you know right, what right. Or whatever. You know what I mean? So you you uh you go to school for whatever training that uh you sign up for, whatever your job is in the military, and then you're assigned, you know, a squad or a unit or a battalion, platoon, um, and whatever orders that they get is right, right, right. Depending on where you go. So the unit that I was in since now we're talking two thousand eight. Uh, you know, 2008 was right after uh, 9-11 and shit was still jumping, so they promised us, like, look, you sign this piece of paper, you going overseas. Right. You know, so, you it wasn't, so it wasn't necessarily, you know, hoo-ha, you know what I'm saying, or is that just just, just uh, like, is that, what, what, what rank of that, is that like, uh, Damn, what am I thinking? That's more like uh, Marines. That's uh, I mean, that it worked definitely like that because of the Marines. But that was that was any and every uh military branch. You know what I mean? When shit was going on, you was going overseas. They didn't hide from you. They didn't sugarcoat it. They told you if you join the military, you going overseas flat out. Like eighty percent chance, right, right, right. And you know, so, it was so, it was the choice. So where, so where are we talking about? Like from, I'm talking about a guy that lived in Forest Park or Cincinnati, and then they tell you you going overseas. Where are you going? Well, the thing about it is you don't know. I knew I was going somewhere Middle East, definitely. Right, but, right. You know, so the was time that was about six months. Was that months. in the was that in the Afghanistan type time or 
you know, you got to help educate me because, you know, we okay. don't know what. Okay, well, you know, they won't tell you where exactly where you're going to go. They're just going to say you're going overseas. Um, depending on what unit you get assigned, would depend on where you're going. So, you know, most of the time when you do go overseas, you come into uh, like maybe Iraq or Kuwait or Saudi Arabia or something like that, one of those support countries. So you fly, like for me, I flew from Cincinnati and then I left Cincinnati and I went to uh, Fort Hood, which is down there in Texas. And I spent like six months down there doing my training. And then I flew from Texas to Washington, D.C., and then D.C. to Kuwait. And Kuwait was basically a staging for all the military. And they would go to Iraq or Afghanistan or, you know, any one of them countries from Kuwait. Kuwait is a friendly country. So hold on. Kuwait was like somewhat of like a hub to where everybody that was coming from America was going to Kuwait? That's correct. That is correct. Kuwait is a friend of ours. Right, right, right. See, that's that's something that we got to educate niggas about. So, y'all went to Kuwait. So, when you was in Kuwait, was it, like, conflict there, or was that, like, an area where y'all was just cool, but I was waiting to figure out where I was going from there. Well, let me answer that in two parts. The first part is let's make no mention and let's get everything down to the shits and giggles. When you get overseas, don't matter what country you're from, they don't like us, bro. They don't like us. The minute that we touch down, they, you know, in the airport, you know, they look at you slant-eyed. You know, when they smile at you, you can tell us a crooked smile. You know, and you know that you ain't in America no more. Um, right, right, right. Facts. But definitely, you know, uh, you there, and you basically trying to organize, you know, where you going to go, uh, wherever your unit is. So it, it is a hub, and it's a lot of moving parts in it. But you know, just because Kuwait is a friend of ours. Now, I'm doing the little quotey things. Uh, a friend or not, but it's kind of like a, a, a um, it's somebody like you go over somebody's house and you know that they don't like you. You know what I'm saying? Right. Or you don't right. like them. Like, you fuck with them, but you don't really fuck with them. You know what I'm saying? So, they, it was basically how it was. Like, we was the, we was the motherfuckers that they knew that if they wanted to, they could fuck us up. But, you know, just because we're America, they like, you know, we're going to leave these niggas alone because it was beneficial for them. You know what I'm saying? Right. So when you went to Kuwait, before you before you went to anywhere else, did you incur any type of bullshit? Like, did you see problems there? Uh, Let me tell you a story. The first time, uh, I mean, the first two days I was in Kuwait. And, uh, you know, it was like, you know what? We had spent so much time in Texas. We going to chill. And uh, I had a lot of niggas that was in my unit. And they was like, you know what, man? We about to go get some bitches. You know what I'm saying? We about to go hit the town. We about to, you know, catch one of these A-Rabs. We going to find us a Kim Kardashian, whatever. Right. So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you know, we doing what nigga shit, you know, niggas was doing. So, we, you know, we like, look, we're going to hit downtown Kuwait back. So we got some uh, off-base passes. Basically, we had 36 hours. Um, we had to go get off-base, find something to do, and be back on base. And um, we had we was driving through the city, and we had got these taxis. And uh, the taxis, they always tell us, you know, you got to be careful about the taxi drivers because what they do is the taxi drivers would uh, uh, drive you out in the middle of the desert or drive you over to their homeboy's house or whatever, and then, you know, they drop you off in the alley or something, and it'd be like 20 of them Haji little tile head niggas, and they fuck around to kill you, or they drop you off in the desert, and they drive off. You know what I'm saying? They always be fucking... Right, so no, no matter what you trying to do, they might take you somewhere, even though you think you better have a good time, they might just knock you off. Exactly, exactly. And that's the stuff that they, you know, they... They they try to tell you about, but you know niggas gonna you know do what they want to do. It's it's kind of like you know I, I ain't no gang beggar, but it's like you know bloods riding around in crip, crip neighborhoods or vice versa. You know what I'm saying? Like you just know right, you, right. You, you, you know you in the, the op hood. Yes, you right. Got to figure out how to move the way you need to move, but at the same time, if you if you if you can get it off. Oh yeah. So, you know, we wind up uh, getting this taxi and we going down there. Now, the nigga that I was with had been to Quake before because he was already on his third deployment and I was on my first. So, uh, you know, we get in the back of the taxi and this uh, this little uh, towel head dude, his name was Farouk. And uh, we going down there and he knew the way to Kuwait City. The taxi driver was taken a different way. And... uh. You know, we had been talking for a little while and shit. We laughed and giggling, and the nigga get quiet. And we like, man, I'm thinking in my head, like, what's going on with this nigga? And you know how when you get that face where shit gets serious. You know what I mean? Shit about to get real weird. And uh, sure. I'm, and I'm looking at the nigga, and I'm saying, man, uh, you all right? And he say, bro, this this nigga going the wrong way. I say, man, what you mean, that nigga? We in the desert? He's like, nah, this nigga going the wrong way. So, um, you know, he had. He had said something. He was like, "Yo," uh, and then if you if you look on my Facebook profile, my battle buddy is the Nick. I got a, a picture of him. And uh, so anyway, uh, the the damn uh, taxi driver keep going the wrong way. So he tell him. He said, "Bro, uh, we going to Kuwait City." He's the the taxi driver. He's like, "Yeah, yeah, 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 yeah. We go now. We go now. We go now." But the nigga won't turn. You know what I'm saying? We steady driving out in the middle of nowhere. He's like, bro, we're going the wrong way. Okay, 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 okay. I turn around, I turn around, I turn around. But the nigga would never turn around. So my nigga, you know, he couldn't, he was, I'm sitting directly behind the driver. And he's sitting on behind the passenger seat, which is empty. So, you know, I'm looking at this nigga get serious. And it's about time for something to do because by this time the sun was going down and it was getting dark. And for niggas that ain't never been to the desert, it's like, Ain't no lights out there, no street lights, no nothing. So when you driving in in the desert, whatever your headlights hit is whatever you that's light up. Anything right. that's behind you, on the side, so you so anything all you don't see, you like yo. This yeah, we we gotta see we gotta see where we going. Definitely, definitely, and you can kill a nigga over there and don't even have to bury him because at night. If your headlights don't see him, you ain't gonna see him. 
But anyway, so, uh, you know, uh, it, I guess it got to a point to my uh, battle buddy Ben, man, that this nigga about to do some bullshit. So he get the reaching for his service issue 45 that he got. And I say, nah, don't pop the nigga in the car because, for one, the nigga driving. And for two, I don't want my ears to be ringing. So I grabbed my, my Rambo knife <laughs> and I stuck my Rambo knife through the back of the seat and poked the nigga, stabbed the nigga in the back. And the nigga came up off the back seat like, ow! You know what I'm saying? I only stuck him probably about an inch because the knife wasn't really that long, but it was enough to get the, the nigga attention. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the, the nigga jammed on the brakes with both feet. And then by that time, my battle buddy had got his 45 out. And when he turned around, the motherfucker had a point right at his nose. And he told that motherfucker, he said, listen, man, if you don't take us back to where we need to go, you know, we going to get up out of here one way or another. You know what I'm saying? And we out in the middle right. of the desert. You know what I'm saying? You either drive us back or I'm going to pop your motherfucking cat back. And that was the first time, like I said, mind you, this was three days, uh, two or three days when I was first got in the quake. And this is supposed to be a friendly country, bro. Friendly country. Right. You you assuming that you're going somewhere where you will be all right. Yeah. I'm assuming. You know what I'm saying? But that little shit like that let you know, you know, it's serious. It's serious. Right. You know what I'm now you went now you in the situation. So hold on. Bro, you there. How many days you been there? Three. It was either this is my second night or my third night there. Right. So as this shit is going down, what did you how did you feel? Man, you know what, man? I was fucked up. I ain't gonna lie. I was fucked up because I'm sitting here like, damn, nigga. I, I was already fucked up in the head because I'm like, damn, I'm going overseas. And then I'm like, nigga, I'm in a country that's supposed to be friendly. And I'm like, nigga, this is my second or third night in this motherfucker. And I already stabbed the motherfucker. What's going to happen when I get to wherever I'm going? You know what I'm saying? And by that time, I had went to Iraq. That was my first order. Uh, we was going to Iraq. And I was like, damn, I'm stabbing niggas in Kuwait in the, in the friendly country. What's going to happen when I get to the country where niggas going to be? And ain't going to be no friendly country. And it, it started fucking right. on my head. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. So did that change the way you felt? You you out here having fun or trying to kick it. How did that change your mind frame from when you was actually having to get busy? Well, let me let me that that let me know right then and there that this shit ain't for fun. Ain't gonna be no times where you can turn this shit off. You know what I'm saying? That right. Say so, yeah, I gotta be. I gotta be who I am. All the time. All the time. You know what I'm saying? And somebody as simple as a taxi driver. You know what I'm saying? Could be something simple as that. Like you know what I'm saying? Like if we wasn't paying no attention, if we was drunk or something. Them niggas, that nigga could have took us all the way out to the desert, bro. Ain't no telling what could have happened. But it, that that's, that's you know. what I'm saying. So, so, in your honest mind, if y'all would have been sleepy, what do you think the nigga would have did to y'all? Man, I don't even want to imagine it. 
But, the, I mean, obviously, we was going in the desert. I don't know where he was going to take us. But it, wherever it was, it didn't have no lights on it. It wasn't no city. And it was just him. So, I mean, I'm assuming that he was probably going to take us out there to where, where some of his homeboys was or whatever. Right, or right. Little villages or whatever. Because the thing about it is, man, they pay so much money for Americans over there, bro. Like, you know, our uniforms and shit, you know, they use them as trophies. You know, like, look, I, I killed the American nigga, you know what I mean, or a soldier. You know, we all the same. You know, we got white issues here in the United States. But when you over there and like, right, they look at that flag. You know what I'm saying? I killed me an American. They don't care if, right. if you're a black American or a white American. I got me an American. You know what I'm saying? So, so they don't even care. Do you think, like, it's a difference between if a nigga was, was a Arab, if he was an Arabic American, you know what uh, they think? Uh, do you think they would treat you something different? It's different because you know some Arabics that's Americanized. You know they look at them as being traitors. You know what I mean? Kind of how Africans look at us when we say we African. Are we African American? Right. You know, real Africans look at us funny, like y'all niggas ain't African. You know what I'm sure. saying? And you know, it's it's kind of half and half. Like you know, some of them, you know, they cool, and you know, they be like, all right, you American, but you still, you know, Islamic, or you come from over here. And then you got some of them that they look at them like they betrayed them, like you're supposed to stay in your homeland. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of it's kind of iffy. You know what I'm saying? Um. So, so, so on, on, on that, on that ticket, how many times did you have to let that motherfucker ring though? When, 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 when you thinking everything cool and then you got to let it go. Um, you talking about different situations like, like a taxi? Or like when I was nah, listening, nah, like, nah, not, not necessarily like a taxi, but any situation where you thought like, damn, we cool. And then end up having to let it ring. Look, man, um, you know, what? after that taxi shit, you know what I'm saying? I always was on my P's and Q's ever since then. But, you know, I'm going to fast forward to my second year when I was over there and um. I was uh, doing fuel convoys, and we was driving through village, villages and shit like that. We tanked up. We armored up. You know, they had these old ladies, man, and the old ladies would lay their kids out in the street. I'm talking about babies, like three-month-old baby newborns and shit. They wrap them up in, in covers and shit or whatever, and they'll lay them out in the middle of the street, and they, uh, they would try to get the convoy to stop. You know, sometimes the convoy wouldn't stop and just run the damn kid over. And and sometimes the convoy would stop. But to answer your question is, you know what? After you start getting desensitized to all the bullshit and you start, you know, realizing that you ain't fighting no fair fight, I was letting my shit go all the time, bro. I wasn't even going to lie, bro. If a motherfucker looked at me crazy, bro, I was shooting that nigga right in the face. like, And that's where I would aim at. Like, I would aim right in the chin. I ain't want no face shot. I ain't want no headshot. I ain't give a fuck. I was aiming right for that nigga chin. 
So if I, I either shot him in the face or I shot the nigga in the throat. And it, it, it just got like that, like, because I knew that if I gave anybody a chance to try to get close to me or relax, they was going to do some bullshit, like have me out in the desert. You know what I'm so saying? Hold so hold on. I I those times, bruh. How many times? See, I already know. Give me give give me a second. Mm-hmm. I know that if you had those situations where you had to chop some shit down, how many times did you? Run into them where they they wasn't really trying to do nothing, but you didn't know. Well, you know what? Uh, it was probably maybe once or twice. It was only maybe once or twice where it, it kind of went. You know, it could have went fifty fifty. You know what I'm saying? Right, but, right, 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 right. You know, right. that's the good thing because you know I didn't have to think about it. The issue was, you know, ninety percent of the time. Them niggas was coming for you, and you knew it. You know what I'm saying? You knew it. Like, you ain't had to make a judgment call, like, this nigga fucking with me and her game. You knew they was coming for you. Them niggas didn't like you. You know what I'm saying? And that was the great thing about, you know, the kind of the rules of engagement. Now, when I first got there, the rules of engagement was you couldn't shoot nobody until they shot at you first. But, you know, as the rules of engagement change, and after you see niggas get shot, Niggas that you didn't kick the wind and had beers with, you know, or you know, you be at the right. Farm. That's your family. That's your exactly. family, bro. You rocking with niggas, and uh, you know, at that point, you ain't care about a nigga. Look, if if we heard a gunshot, we was killing motherfuckers. We was shot people left, right. Oh, that shit could have been down the damn street. You know what I'm saying? But that countered to somebody shooting at us, so they gave us power to shoot. You feel me? So, so who do you got? One guy, I mean, all right, this is the best question. Do you get one guy that was the the shooter to where you knew when it popped off, he was getting busy? Oh, yeah. So I wish this podcast had video because I'll show you a scar that I got on my neck. And, um, you know, back in my infantry days, we was kicking doors in and we was clearing villages and stuff like that and uh you know i kicked in this door and the nigga was behind the door and in his hand was a box cutter and once we kicked the door and the nigga had a rusty box cutter and he he got got me got me kind of like in a headlock and the nigga literally tried to like slip my throat and he he got it like half of it, he didn't get the other half. But this is where I wish I can send you a picture and I can show you. But that was that was the the nigga that I knew because I saw it in his I saw it in his eyes and his face that this nigga this nigga actually wanted to kill me, like kill me. You know what I'm saying? Like it's a, it's a it's a it's a face that you don't see that often. You know what I'm saying? Here, you know, a nigga might want to fight. You know, a little bullshit like that, but it ain't no different. But if a nigga trying to kill you, like a hundred percent trying to kill you, and not just bust your lip, you'll remember that face. You know what I'm saying? It only happened. To me.